Today on Blue 58, Christian Watson is having a rough second season, but a lot of players do, and one of those players was Devontae Adams. Is it fair to compare Adams and Watson? Does it even make sense to do so? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. Christian Watson, Devontae Adams, two Packers wide receivers, Two guys taken in the second round, two guys that both struggled in their second season. It's pretty common to see these two guys compared as you talk about Christian Watson's struggles this season. And so for this episode, I'd like to do what I do from time to time is just take one thing and really focus on it for the entire length of an episode. I've seen this comparison so many times that I decided to dive into it a little bit deeper to really see if there's any merit to the idea of comparing Christian Watson to Devontae Adams. On the surface, it seems like a simple one-to-one thing. Watson is struggling. Adams struggled. Adams got better. Is Christian Watson going to get better? There is, of course, a lot more to it than that. And I think as we let this play out a little bit, you'll see why maybe the comparison isn't, isn't necessarily a good one and might be saying some things about Christian Watson that maybe are unintended. But let's talk through it. First of all, the similarities between the two. The reason this comparison comes up is because there are some similarities between Christian Watson and Devontae Adams. As I said, both Christian Watson and Devontae Adams were second-round picks. The Packers took Watson 34th overall in 2022, and they took Devontae Adams 53rd overall in 2014, both second-round picks. Interestingly enough, the Packers got the 53rd pick in 2022 from the Raiders, which when they sent Devontae Adams west at his request, I suppose, then they spent that pick as part on Watson as part of their trade-up to get him. Both Watson and and Adams had a second year that was bad compared to their first year. You can point to the multiple reasons why. You can talk about all the different variables that are out of his control, this, that, and the other thing. I think everyone agrees that Christian Watson is not having the second season that we hoped for, or I assume that he hoped for as well. Universally, I think everyone agrees that his second year has been disappointing. As a rookie, 41 catches for 611 yards and seven touchdowns, So far this season, 14 catches, 236 yards, one touchdowns, on pace for 26 catches, 445 yards, and two touchdowns. Digging a little bit deeper than that, the the numbers are actually, I think, worse than they first appear. 14, 236, and one is not great for this point in the season if you're the presumptive number one receiver on a team. But we have to remember that 77 of those yards came on one catch, one that he didn't even managed to end in the end zone, thanks in part to a horse collar tackle by Marcus Peters. But, you know, if you're inclined to do so, you could take another 77 yards away from his total. I think that gets him down to 159 or something like that. Doesn't really matter because he he made the catch, but a good chunk of his yards came on one play. Devontae Adams, meanwhile, 38 catches, 446 yards, and three touchdowns in year one as a, at best, third option maybe fourth or fifth option in the Packers receiving game that year, given this, the, the years that um, Jordy Nelson and, and uh, Randall Cobb were having, the passes they threw to tight ends that year, uh, Eddie Lacy's involvement in the passing game. He was not a priority for the Packers as a rookie. 
Year two, chance for a bigger role, 50 catches, 483 yards, and one touchdown. His catch percentage dropped from 57%, almost 58%, down to 53%. Pro Football Focus credited him, credited him, or charged him, blamed him for 10 drops in 2015. In my experience, they are pretty lenient graders too, so it could be more than that. In any case, his drop rate was almost 16%. Both Watson and Adams struggled with injuries as well in their second season. Watson, of course, was out the first three weeks. He's been limited in at least one other game. It's basically the same as where Adams was. He missed all of three games in the first half of the season and all but three snaps in another. So injuries were a problem for both Christian Watson and Devontae Adams. Those are the broad similarities. And if you just look at it at that level... You can see why people would say, well, Christian Watson and Devontae Adams, pretty much the same story. But when you start digging a little deeper, I think there's reason to be skeptical of that comparison. First, we need to keep in mind that the kind of second-round pick that they were matters. Devontae Adams, just a straight second-round pick, and he was taken 53rd overall, which is 19 picks later than Watson was taken. We should not forget that. That's almost half a round, more than half a round later. Watson... The Packers traded up to get him. That's a part of his story here. They pushed in a lot of chips to get him. They said, post-Devante Adams, we need a guy, and this is the guy we're getting. He's older than Adams was at the time. This was someone they were saying can come in and be a guy for us right away. We don't have the luxury of waiting around because he's older than Adams was. We need him to be the guy right now because we've got nobody else in the receiver room other than Alan Lazard, who's probably not going to be here in a year, and Randall Cobb, who's maybe shouldn't be here right now. So that's important to keep in mind. Related to that, the bar for expectations in their second year matters too. As we've said, Christian Watson, right or wrong, has been the de facto number one receiver since the end of 2023. Even if you want to contest the point for 2022 and say Alan Lazard was the Packers' top receiver, functionally he was, whatever, that's not the case for this year. The second Alan Lazard became a free agent, it was Christian Watson's show in the receiver room, and that's what the Packers have wanted him to be. Everybody else who could have filled that role is gone. That was not the case for Adams in 2015. Jordy Nelson was coming off probably his best season in Green Bay. Randall Cobb was coming off his best season in Green Bay, had just signed a big deal to to be back with the Packers. Devontae Adams was going to be no better than the third option in that offense. But Jordy Nelson blew up his knee in the preseason. Randall Cobb was not going to fill the role of the Packers' number one receiver, just being primarily a slot guy, almost exclusively a slot guy at that point in his career. The Packers signed James Jones to take some of the pressure off of Adams. But Adams was never supposed to be in the position where he was the number one guy, and he faltered in that role to be sure, but it wasn't a role that he was supposed to be in. Their injury situations also matter too. Watson has been hurt this season, but he's been hurt a lot. His injuries have been the rule in his career as much as the exception. He had multiple surgeries prior to his first NFL game going back to college. He was in and out of the lineup last season. He was in and out of the lineup this season, and he had those same sort of numbers in college too. To be fair, some of the injuries have been freak things to this point. His concussion in 2022 is a prime example. Pretty routine play, tunnel screen against the Bills, ends up with a concussion. He's out for that game and limited in the next one. 
other injuries that Watson has had have been recurring. Whether or not you believe guys are injury prone, we can debate that. But it's beside the point if they just keep getting injured, and that's been where Watson has been. That was not the case for Adams. To that point in his career, injuries were an outlier for him. He played every game in his college career. He was a redshirt freshman in 2011, but he played all 13 of Fresno State's games in 2012 and all 13 in 2013, played all 16 games for the Packers, including their, what was it, two playoff games in 2014. Yeah, they had the first round by, so it was just Dallas, and then, well, they canceled the rest of the season, so it would have been the, the second game there in the 2014 NFC Championship game. Just wish we could see what would have happened for the Packers that season. I really think they were close. It's just they ended up canceling the rest of the year. Uh, We'll never know. Uh, But he played all the games for the Packers that year. Then he starts dealing with injuries in 2015. Didn't ever really have a season with major recurring injuries. Missed a game here or there in a lot of the, the next few years. But it wasn't ever the nagging, lingering sort of injury that he did with his ankle injury in 2015. And then, of course, his season was injured when he sprained a knee in the Packers, well, toward the end of the Packers' wildcard round win over Washington in the playoffs that year, when Richard Rodgers <laughs> fell on his knee, which is, it's a bummer, but it's kind of a funny way to remember a guy getting injured in retrospect, just Richard Rodgers, big kind of lumbering Richard Rodgers falling on somebody. It's also relevant the way in which Adams and Watson struggled. I went down the rabbit hole today of rereading a lot of Devontae Adams' scouting reports. Again and again, you hear the sort of things that we all knew about Devontae Adams. Reliable hands, good at the catch point, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody was talking about a guy, uh, him being a guy who dropped a lot of passes. Where they criticized him, <laughs> I found one, this one was an outlier, but they criticized his very sloppy route running, which is funny to, to hear about in retrospect. But people talked about him using his athleticism at the catch point to, to overpower guys that were not as athletic as him, which, well, what you going to do? They talked about him not having great deep speed, but never concerns about his catches. When he struggled with drops in 2015, it was a career outlier for him. I don't have numbers going back to college, but in 2014, he only dropped 8% of the passes that came his way, according to Pro Football Focus. He dropped 15.6% of the passes that came his way in 2015, but then he was back down to 9% in 2016. Then he was only above 8% once for the rest of his career. Also, I would argue that his struggles are probably not as bad as you remember. People called him Drop Vante. Accurate. They were real. He had a a bad season. Just for grading purposes, he was 77th out of 83 players with 50 or more targets who were graded by Pro Football Focus in 2015. Just receivers. Even throwing in some other guys in there, tight ends, running backs, by that point, I mean, you are in the bottom third to quartile of the league of people who have a chance to catch passes. And if you're starting to add in running backs and tight ends to make yourself look better, the ship on you being an effective player that year has sailed already. It was it was a bad year. But I think you can also point out that things were really only super bad for uh, for Adams in two games, week 10 against the Detroit Lions and week 13 against Chicago, both of which merit further investigation. In week 10, Adams was targeted 21 times, and he caught 10 of them for 79 yards in an 18-16 to loss to the Lions. Now, that's a bad game. 
But the Packers as a whole had a horrendous game that day. The Packers lost at home to the Lions, their first time in nearly a quarter century that day. But they were favored by 10.5 points in that game. And the whole offense fell apart. Adams had his bad game, sure. But Cobb, Randall Cobb, had five catches on 10 targets. James Jones had none on just two. Aaron Rodgers needed 61 passes to keep get the Packers to 16 points. And the Packers still actually had a chance to win, except Mason Crosby put up one of the worst misses you'll ever see on a potential game-winning field goal uh, from 52 yards out, to be sure. But bad, bad miss that day. So Adams did struggle, but everyone on the Packers struggled that day too. Then in week 13, the Packers played the Chicago Bears at home on a Thursday night. You may remember that game because it was a very cold, windy, wet game, and the Packers were retiring Brett Favre's jersey at halftime of that game. Bart Starr made the trip out to Lambeau and everything. It was supposed to be a great and festive occasion. Instead, it was a wet and cold slog, and Devontae Adams had a wet and cold slog of a night. Two catches on 11 targets in a very cold, wet, and windy game. Bad, bad game for Devontae. Unfortunately, he was the outlier in that game. Nobody else had close to as bad of a game as he did, except for the Packers as a whole, losing on the day that they retired Brett Favre's jersey. But a lot of Devontae Adams' struggles can be kind of boiled down to those two games, and they really affect his his season totals in a big way. Just not adjusting his numbers, including those two games in his totals, he averaged 5.1 yards per target on the season. If you adjust it, taking those two games out, those two games where he had 32 targets and only 12 catches, it jumps up more than a full yard. Not great, but still considerably better. It also bumps up his yards per catch by nearly half, by more than half a yard if you take those numbers out. It's not great, but I think a lot of what brings down our historical perception of how Adams played in 2015 is two really bad games in the middle of the season. Now, even with those included, he was not setting the world on fire in 2015. Don't misunderstand me. But I think there are some things that make him worse than maybe is, is necessarily justified. I also think it's relevant to Devontae Adams' struggles in his bad second season that Aaron Rodgers also had that year what is widely considered his worst season in Green Bay. That was the everybody figured out Devont or everybody figured out Aaron Rodgers or everybody figured out the Packers offense season. It was bad. It was a struggle for the Packers to move the ball at all that season. So those are Adams' struggles. Watson's struggles have some of the same characteristics. You've got, let's just say, broadly speaking, a quarterback playing perhaps not as well as he could. Different reasons to be sure for Jordan Love than Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love in 2023, a first-year starter, still coming into his own, hopefully, as a quarterback. Aaron Rodgers at that point, a two-time MVP who should have been playing much better but wasn't. Still, quarterback play is part of how wide receivers perform, so I don't think you can throw that out of Watson's struggles. However, unlike Adams, Watson's struggles, as we've talked about on this podcast before, actually align really well with what people have talked about him dating back to, to his college career. We've previously talked about his struggles with contested catches. 2022, the year where he had a good year catching 
contested catches was actually the outlier in his career based on our numbers that we've talked about before. 2023 is a lot closer to the norm, though one out of 10 or whatever it was heading into the last game. I don't know how they scored those those catches in the, the Steelers game. is still pretty bad, though it's much worse than even you would expect from Watson, who has historically not done particularly well in that area. But Watson's struggles are very much in line with what we expected from him. He's a guy who, basically the book on him was that he's a a tall athlete who doesn't necessarily play as big as he is. He didn't necessarily dominate his competition, and he might struggle to make the transition to playing against guys who are, if not as big and fast as he is, close to as big and as fast as he is. With Adams, his struggles seemed like a regression. With Watson, it's more... Well, put put it the other way, actually. With Adams, his issues were more a situation where you failed to see growth than with Watson, who appears to be regressing as opposed to just not growing very much. Adams just failed to grow based on what he did as a rookie. Watson has more regressed closer to what I think was expected of him in his first couple of years, which I, I think is a little bit concerning still. Even this, I think, is is beyond what what people would have expected from him, even with a, a a mild regression. I think we also have to talk about the people said argument. This one comes up a lot. Christian Watson's dad even threw it out this week. Um, the people said Jared Aberdare should start ahead of Devonte Adams storyline. The people said that Jeff Jana should start ahead of Adams um, line of thinking. The people said the Packers should cut Devonte Adams. I want to make this pretty clear. People say a lot of stuff and the people who are saying those things, you need to be careful because I think when you say people said and use that as a talking point, you need to make sure you are outlining exactly who those people are. Not a lot of people whose opinion really moves the needle were saying, definitively that Devontae Adams needed to sit behind Jeff Janis or Jared Aberderis or that he should be cut. Nobody with a lick of sense in Packers media was saying that Devontae Adams should or would be cut. I know that because I spent quite a bit of time researching this today. Newspapers.com allows you to access historical newspaper clippings and actually read what people were saying on the time or at the time. Yeah, not everything is on the internet, so sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper than that. Stuff like this was out there. It wasn't as common or as strong as I think you might be led to believe sometimes today. Here's a sampling. Bob McGinn, July 21st, 2016, quote, Adams fell flat on his face given first crack at replacing Nelson. His hands and routes were inconsistent. He offered next to nothing after the catch and his general deportment needs work, end quote. Then he went on to summarize who else the Packers had at receiver before ending up with the idea that maybe they should just lean on guys who perform in 2016 as just opposed to rewarding draft status. He never said that the Packers should go one direction or the other in regard to Jared Aberderis, Jeff Janis, or Devontae Adams. Ryan Wood on May 16th, 2016, quote, Some wide receivers will have more navigable paths to a roster spot than others. It is hard, for example, to foresee 2014 second rounder uh, Devontae Adams being a casualty of final cuts. Yes, Adams crumbled in his sophomore season. Though his 50 catches and 483 yards were slightly more than his rookie year, it did not represent the type of improvement expected from a player receiving a major opportunity. 
In Nelson's absence, Adam was expected to be the Packers' top perimeter target. Eventually, that role fell to veteran James Jones, who Thompson signed as an insurance policy one week before the regular season. Adams' failed 2015 season was far from promising. It heightened the importance of a successful offseason. But if his job isn't 100% secure, it's the next closest thing, end quote. In another report, Wood did say that Jeff Janis was well-positioned to push Adams for the Packers' number three spot on the depth chart, which sounds like a really big declarative statement, but really it's not saying all that much. Remember who the Packers had in 2016 at wide receiver. The top seven or so guys went something like this. Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Jeff Janis, 2015 draft pick Ty Montgomery, who hadn't yet become a running back that season, Jared Aberderis, and 2016 draft pick Trevor Davis. If you're looking for a guy on that list who can push Devontae Adams, it's probably Jeff Janis and almost certainly nobody else. Ty Montgomery is your slot gadget guy. Jared Aberderis is probably more in line with that kind of role than seeing serious reps at a major outside receiver position. And then Trevor Davis is a a rookie whose primary contributions in 2016 were going to be on special teams. If anybody's going to push Devontae Adams in that group, it was going to be Jeff Janis. That would have still been a pretty big swing. But there was at least one person who thought that was likely. Pete Doherty, writing on June 5, 2016, said this, quote, The Packers should be throwing to Janis again and again to see his mistakes and whether he learns. They need to let him botch a play and go back to him for more. Maybe they'll find out he's just not good enough. But the bet here is if they push him, he'll beat out Devontae Adams for their number three receiving job and add an element of speed their offense needs, end quote. Later in the same piece, he says this, Quote, I can't say for sure whether Janice will be that guy. Maybe he's a good special teams player, and that's it. But last year he did enough in the three games in which injuries forced him onto the field to think he'll make plays that Adams can't. End quote. Maybe on that last point. Janice did have two catches for 79 yards in the regular season in 2015. That was it. The other game that you may remember him playing well in was in the playoffs. Seven catches, 145 yards, and the 26-20 loss to the Cardinals in the playoffs. That was the two-Hail Mary game where Jeff Janis caught those two late Hail Marys, which, spectacular, might put him foremost in your mind heading through the 2015 into 2016 offseason. As it turns out, though, there was not more gold in those hills. In the remainder of his NFL career, Jeff Janis had 13 catches for 105 yards and one single touchdown, so not quite even as much as he had in that one single game. The sentiment basically was Devontae Adams has something to prove. Perhaps Jeff Janis can put, push him, and then Pete Doherty saying, I, I think he can get in ahead of Devontae Adams, and my bet is that he would be. So that's the comparison. That's where I think we're at. Context-wise, when you're carrying, uh, comparing Christian Watson to Devontae Adams, why is that a problem? I think it comes down to not so much what you're saying for this year, but what you're saying about Christian Watson's future. It's okay if you say he needs time. It's not okay if you say, hey, he's just like Devontae Adams, which may be a, a bit of a straw man, but I think there are some people saying, like, look, Devontae Adams struggled. Christian Watson is struggling. What's the implicit next part of that line of thinking? 
it's it's really saying, well, it's okay. Christian Watson can have a down year because Devontae Adams did too because Devontae Adams went on to be a great receiver in 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, and beyond. So the implicit thing for Christian Watson there is that he's going to have a big 2024 and beyond. Maybe that's true, but it's an important thing to remember. It's important to look back and remember how good Devontae Adams was in 2016. Finished that year with 75 catches, 997 yards, and 12 touchdowns. In his last eight games, the running of the table portion of the 2016 schedule, Adams had 31 catches for 532 yards and six touchdowns. Just to put a comparison on it, Christian Watson, over his final eight games of 2022, 31 catches, 523 yards, and seven touchdowns. So, Watson's got it in him, but can he do it for a season-long, at a season-long sort of pace? Adams did in his third year. I think we need to be careful about the idea of putting that weight on Christian Watson. The bottom line, I think, is this. Comparing players is virtually pointless. We know there are so many different variables in football. There are things that are outside of your control. There are things that are in your control that you can control and still have things not go your way. Everybody has their own path. But comparing these two players in particular is even more pointless because the variables compound. Just look at all of the things that Christian Watson has to deal with this year that could very reasonably be dragging him down whether or not he's a good player or not. No real support around him at receiver. Romeo Dobbs has scored a lot of touchdowns, but I think on a play-by-play basis, he leaves something to be desired. Can we say that? I think he's better than he was last year, but still not quite there. The rookies, grouping all the pass catchers in there, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Dontavion Wicks, have been good, but they've come along generally slowly. Reed has been consistent. Well, maybe not consistent, but he's been the best of the three on a season-long basis. But Dontavion Wicks has taken some time to get more reps and to really play in a way that would justify getting more reps, produce in a way that would justify getting more reps. Luke Musgrave, kind of the same thing, just thrown into the deep end from the start. Now the production is finally matching the playing time. Adams had more to work with than that. As a rookie, As a second-year player, even, maybe adding a little bit more weight to the struggles that he had. But he went on to be, for a number of years, considered the best wide receiver in the league. I don't don't care enough to, to talk about whether or not he is still considered that best player in the league or best receiver in the league. Uh, Tyree Kill seems to be pretty spectacular right now, just to throw one name out there. But one of the better receivers in the league if not the best, for 2016 and beyond. I think you are really putting some pressure on Christian Watson if you really want to bank on that Adams comparison. Even if that comparison between the two was worthwhile, I think you're potentially setting Christian Watson up to potentially fall even farther in 2024 than he has in 2023. Because if he struggles again next year, and there's no third-season Devontae Adams leap for Christian Watson, then you're starting to get to the point where all you got out of the Devontae Adams to, not Oakland, Las Vegas trade, was Quay Walker. And I don't think anybody would trade Devontae Adams for an off-ball linebacker straight up. 
that would kind of be crazy. If you're not going to get anything as far as a pass catcher out of that trade, that's a pretty big miss. And I think, again, this all comes back to maybe the idea that just banking all this on Christian Watson might have been a bad bet from the start. Maybe Christian Watson, whether we're comparing him to Devontae Adams or not, was not put in a position to succeed just because the Packers didn't have a good read on who he was and who he could be as a player, which is probably a bigger issue than whether or not Christian Watson is even you know 80% of the player that Devontae Adams was during his time in Green Bay. That's all I've got for you on this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I'd appreciate it even more if you'd take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it that's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in the conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.